Hey y'all, it's Jen, your host of the Success Beyond the Lens podcast and CEO of Success Beyond the Lens, a business management and marketing company for photographers. On this podcast, I'm gonna be giving you the actual tips and advice I use every day to run my clients' businesses. I'm also gonna be interviewing some awesome professional photographers, marketing experts, Facebook ad gurus, and so many more to ensure you are running a well-rounded business. So grab your coffee or your wine or maybe a glass of water and let's dive in. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining on another episode of the Success Beyond the Lens podcast. I'm Jen, your host, and today I'm super stoked to introduce you guys to Devo. Devo, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Good morning, Jen. Thanks for having me. So as you heard, my name is Devo and I am currently residing in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I moved out here in 2008. A little bit about myself. I am a serial entrepreneur and photography happens to be one of my businesses. I also own another digital marketing agency called Sprout. And that is uh, centered around working with entrepreneurs, small brands, small businesses, to help them elevate their brand, identify their brand, identify their niche markets, and work with them on social media to broadcast who they are, what they are, and what they're all about. Ooh, I love all of that. And Sprout yeah. is such a great name. Yeah, it's a little thought seed. That's what we that's what we kind of came up with. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, and you can appreciate this, we all have to start somewhere, right? It all starts with the seed, a thought, something that has to germinate over time. It's a process. And so we thought it kind of fit and was appropriate. And there you go. That's awesome. Uh, and we've spent way too much money on marketing. So right now it's going to stay that way for a bit. <laughs> for a long time, forever. Yeah, exactly. I can appreciate that. And you run that with uh, a partner, right? Yeah, Lisa Staff. She's a photographer in the Hilton Head area of South Carolina. And she and I met in 2017 on Instagram. Mine I and, Instagram. Um, yeah, and we started, we just became friends and started doing some collaborations together. And before you knew it, we were decided to launch a business brand together. So that's so cool. It always intrigues me how people end up meeting over social media and then getting a business up and running. I think it's a very unique thing that's, you know, obviously didn't happen even probably 10 years ago, you know? So I think that's so cool. Yeah, the power of social media is exponential. And, and if you can use it with responsibility and efficacy, you have the potential to reach for free, relatively, yeah. an audience of what, seven and what are we, population, seven and a half billion people. So yeah. basically free marketing and anybody who's not utilizing it in some way, shape or another to either broadcast their business or share their stories about their brand is missing out on a huge piece of marketing. Absolutely, for sure. So today we are going to be talking about your photography business and you focusing on not just taking a photo when you're talking about shooting your clients. So let's just go ahead and dive in. What do you mean by that exactly? How do you set that up and how do you prepare for that? Well, I think to borrow a quote, I believe it was Ansel Adams that said, it, we, you don't take a photograph, you create a photograph. And for me, that juxtaposition starts when you first interact with your client. So for us, in terms of what we did, and I'll just back up for a minute, I got into photography when I was 12 years old. I've been taking photos since I was 12. I didn't start doing this as a profession until after my own wedding, surprisingly enough. And the impetus for that was I spent a large amount of money back in 2003 on a photographer that, for lack of a better word, under-delivered and over-promised. And I was really kind of blown away. And, and up until that point, I had been shooting primarily as a hobbyist. Um, I never, I actually worked in the corporate world at that time. And I was really kind of blown away that I could spend that amount of money on a service and get that poor of a quality in return. And I was like, man, I take better photos than this. There might be something to this. But the the crux of that matter right there was the the lack of communication, the poor customer service, the the inability to actually get a hold of my photographer. And this is pre-social media days. This is when we actually had to pick up a telephone and you know, right. I would never get phone calls back. I actually ended up having to drive over to his office or his house, which was in his office, or his office in his house to finally get in touch with the guy. And so wow. I guess for me, I said, if, if I'm going to do this as a business, A, it has to be treated like a business first and foremost, not as a, as a piece of art. Because truthfully speaking, uh, and I think any successful 
artist or business person will tell you that it's basically an 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. 80% of your business is business. 20% of your business is photography. And so I decided that from the very beginning that I was going to treat it that way. And from the beginning interaction with my clients, it would all be, it would be about the customer service perspective. And, and so I think for me, you're not just taking a photograph, you're creating an experience for your client. Does that make sense? And 100%. So we, we don't sell photography. And in fact, I don't even call myself a photographer. I call myself an experience creator or a content creator or sort of something along those, those lines. So I can dive in a little bit deeper, but that's kind of what I meant by that. That's awesome. I think you made some really awesome points and I'm going to dive into a couple. The first being that photography, even though it's an art, it is 100%, 80% business and 20% photography. And I think when if, when someone comes into photography and they're wanting to make it into, you know, a um, money generating thing to build their life on, that's the last thing they think about. So I think it's awesome that you came into it knowing like, okay, this is a business. This is how I'm going to run it. And the photography is not, it, not a back seat, but it's the systems and the business of it are just as important, if not more important than the photography itself. Well, yeah. So, so photography is the vehicle that allows me to, to create my craft, right. To create yeah. that experience. But you know, it, it could be anything. It could be how you bartend. It could be how you mow the lawn for your for your uh, landscaping business. It, it's not about, you know, there's a thousand photographers in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I am right now. There's, you know, everybody, there's some really good photographers here, but I, I would argue and, until I'm blue in the face that the best of the best are that way because they do so much more than just photography. And, and I think right. if you would interview any of those really good successful studios you'll hear basically the same message over and over again absolutely for sure you know i got into photography because i love taking photographs for for me yeah. taking photographs and and be, i mean i'm also do videography as well and, and that sort of stuff and for me i got into photography because as a hobbyist i was blown away by the fact that i could freeze something for posterity and and be able to look upon that over and over and over and over again and i was like so then I, and then I started shooting other people other than just myself and being able to create that opportunity for people to see themselves the way I see them, not the way they see themselves. Cause we're always our worst critics, right? You know, I'm working with clients sure. right now and she has, she has imposter syndrome and she's this stunning, powerful, enigmatic woman. And when she sees some of her photos, she's like, Oh, I look this, or I look too skinny or my hair. And I'm like, girlfriend, you are a powerhouse. Like you need to own that. And so for me as a photographer, being able to do that for you and, and showcase who you are and what you look like to me, it's a powerful aphrodisiac for both of us. And so for me, photography is not photography. It's about experience creating for people. Absolutely. And I think it's incredible too, because I'm, I'm in the back end of so many photography businesses. So I see the client communication and I see those conversations all the time where they're like, can you nip this? Can you tuck this? Can you tighten this? Can you get rid of this? And I'm just sitting here like, no one else sees it. When they look at that, they're seeing you as like this badass who's going out and accomplishing everything that you're wanting to. Like they're not seeing, you know, this smudge here or this scar here. Like they just don't see it. They're just seeing you in the power that you've allowed yourself to walk into. And I think that's incredible. And it is about what, how you guys craft that image. And it's just amazing to me. I think a lot of people, and we've heard this term, it's not an original term. People have imposter syndrome on who they are. I think a lot of people, and we can go some esoteric philosophical conversations here. I think a lot of people are so caught up in who they think they're supposed to be as opposed mm -hmm. to who they are, that they forget about their own power. And for me, photography, video, that sort of stuff, if it's done in the proper context, enables somebody who has a relative amount of talent to show you, Jen, who you actually really are. And when you see that, and you see it through another person's perspective, it's a little bit mind altering. And I think for me, that's what photography should be for people. It should be a story. Absolutely. It should be an experience. It should be something that is timeless. I think a lot of people get blown away. There's so many digital uh, machinations now where you can completely re-manipulate a photograph that people have, have gotten away from the authenticity and originality of what a photograph is. And so for us, that's kind of also part and parcel of our recipe for what we do. Keep it original. Yeah, absolutely. I, when I first wanted to own my own business and 
uh, get out of my corporate career, I looked into becoming a photographer and, um, I, you know, looked at different blogs and courses and I'm just like, and I was only giving myself six months. Like I wanted six months and I want to be done with corporate. I'm like, there is no way I am going to be able to learn, you know, everything that I would want to, to be the type of photographer that I would hold myself to be in six months. Like it's just not going to happen. So I did the next best thing. And now I get to work with photographers on the back end, and I love it, but it, it's so much more than picking up a camera and taking a picture. Well, it's an interesting proposition that you're saying, and, and I don't disagree with you. Uh, there's a difference between taking a photo and creating a photo, which is what I started the outset of the conversation with is. And I think business owner, and and I don't even know that I'm an artistic, I have a relative decent balance between left and right brain. So I'll, I'll, we'll just call myself an artist on one on one side. I think that there is, there's a difference that should be made in today's landscape of photography. And it should really be based upon who you're marketing to, because not everybody is your client. And there are people out there who just really want a point and click photographer that's low budget, that sort of stuff. And there's a place for that. I, you know, with today's digital technology, you can take some ridiculous photos, right? Even on your iPhone, like you can literally create some brilliant photographs. But again, I go back to that point again, as there's a fox running through my front yard. We're not taking photographs. We're creating an experience for our clients. And you can't get that from just a point and click right. photographer. Does that make sense? So Absolutely. I, I want to be very clear about that distinction, especially with social media. Everyone's just trying to fire and burn, fire and burn, get content out there. But that's not what we're, we're doing. So anyway, I ramble. <laughs> so talk to me about what that experience looks like for you from the time that someone you know says, hey, Devo, I'm looking to do a brand shoot or I'm looking to you know, capture my family? What does that look like for you? Well, it originally, it, it, initially, it starts off with the first point of communication. So we have always had a rule in here. And now I have a staff. So it's easier for me to manage. And, you know, here's the thing, you have a cell phone in your hand that's basically tied to your hip 24 seven, there is no reason why you can't communicate back and forth with your client relatively quickly early in the inbound process. I'm always blown away when I hear clients say to me, wow, I'm really impressed at how quickly you responded. I have sent messages to six other photographers and not a single person has bothered to respond. And I'm just like, how is that even possible in today's day and age? Like, So it starts with that, that first point of contact. I have a rule of thumb that nothing less than 10 hours it should it take for you to respond. And in fact, we kind of try to stay within the first two hours, some sort of a contact is made back. We have, some, we have a very robust workflow in place that auto-responds um, we have an SMS text messaging system that also follows up with the text message, that sort of stuff, so that we're really well engaged at the beginning. We're very proactive about scheduling a discovery consultation call with the client. We don't want to communicate via email after we have filtered out and made sure that they're a genuinely needy client that actually needs our services. We try to get them on the phone to engage in a conversation. So understanding the client's needs up front and approaching the client from the perspective of this is their photo shoot, not mine. And, and, and while I might be an artist and I'm going to bring my artistic integrity to the shoot, this is your dollar that you're spending on me to create, right, Jen? So I want to know, Jen, what is it you need out of this? And so it really all starts with that early discovery, understanding the context of the situation, the vision of the client, the needs of the clients, the turnaround time. And getting all those expectations delivered up front so that when we go into the photo shoot, we're well prepared to take photos. Absolutely. So you, you've mentioned a couple of times that not everyone is your client. And I think that's so important because I think we, especially when you're talking about volume photographers, they're like, I'll work with anybody. I'll shoot anybody, anything, anywhere. You pay me, you know, my rate and I'll, and I'll do it. And I think in order to grow a business that is sustainable, and you're not constantly feeling burnt out, you have to get to a point of like, okay, I work with, you know, these people at this time doing this type of session. Is that something that, is that really like where you guys are geared towards? And how did that look like the evolution of that for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. If you're marketing to everybody, you're speaking to no one. No so, one. you know, like look at social media, you know, there's what, several billion people that are on Instagram every single day. So we're competing for eyeball space with, you know, several thousand people at the same time, right? So treating the client and who we market to is very, very specific and pointed for a purpose. 
and it wasn't always, it wasn't always this way. I can remember early in my career, you know, I was taking dog photographs and bunny rabbit photographs and, you know, debutante balls and quinceaneras. And I'm like, whatever, just give me some money, give me some money. Right. right. So, yeah. So it, it, it took me a bit to kind of fine tune who I was and what I was. And I love that banner behind your head that says invest in yourself. And that's where it really started for me is I had to realize that resource is a commodity that is very finite. And if I was spreading myself thin and my marketing dollars thin by trying to brand myself as 20 different people, then I was going to just run myself into the ground very quickly. And so I I invested in myself to kind of rebrand what I was really passionate about doing, what type of work I really loved, and what type of a client that I really enjoyed working with. And we call that our avatar over here. So mm-hmm. once we were able to really fine tune in what our avatar looks like, we really started going after and speaking to that avatar specifically in all of our marketing. And that's when my business blew up. That's awesome. It's something that I think any business owner, and it, like you said, it doesn't matter what kind of business you're running. You have that natural progression of like, when I started, I was a virtual assistant. If you paid me, I did the work and I went on from there. And now I'm very niched in, in I'm a business manager for photographers. And that's what I know I'm really good at. And that's, you know, when, when my business grew. So I think niching down and figuring out what you do well, really well, and who you do those things with is, is where most businesses see that pivot of like, okay, this is a hobby. This is going, we're doing it. We're getting better. Okay. Oh, now we have like this growth spurt. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with being a hobbyist. If that's what makes no. makes you yeah, if, there's, if that's what makes you happy, and and you still have a revenue stream somewhere on the other side, then far be it from me to to ridicule that. Do what makes you happy, right? But if if you're genuinely interested in making money in this field, which is highly convoluted with a bazillion different people doing the same thing, you need to find some way that separates you from everyone else, and and whatever that is work with that and hone in on that, practice that, elevate that aspect of you. And you'll start to see, you'll start to see that that compounds in a bunch of variety of ways. So, so if I may, you're, you say you're a business manager for photographers. So you, you're outsource your skills to help other photographers run their business, or are you more of a consultative capacity? No, I, I help my clients run their business. So I answer emails, schedule consultations, do sales calls, marketing, System setups, all of that fun stuff. And your niche is photographers exclusively. I like. Yes, that. I have. I have a few clients that aren't photographers. They've been with me almost since the beginning of my business, uh-huh. which is coming on three years. So I have. I have some that that still aren't photographers, but most of them are photographers. I stumbled into it. That was my very first client. Her and I have been working together for three years, and I find that photographers. And we talked about this already. They love photography. They love doing that, but they have no idea how to run or manage the business side of it. So I get to come in and and kind of, you know, help them go from, you know, if they're wanting to grow the business, kind of that hobby place into you have a business. These are your boundaries. This is how you work. Let's raise your prices. Let's get you in a system so that, you know, you can make this the way what you want it to be. That's fantastic. Well done. I like that. Thanks. I love it. It's literally my passion. Okay. So you talked about that you have a staff now. So talk to me about how that happened, the growth of the business and really finding staff that you click well with and make sure that they love your business and your clients the way you want them to. Yeah, great question. Um, That wasn't an easy task and never is. Finding great resources to help you grow your business or your brand. It's a lot like dating and marrying. You know, you, you connect with some people on certain levels, you disconnect with people on other levels. And, and it's really about finding that fine balance between people who not only can engage with you on a personal level, because for me, for me personally speaking, while, while I may be the owner of the company, I see this as a collaboration. I see my clients as collaborative partners and I view the team that works with me as my collaborative agents. And so I don't see myself as their boss, if you will, even though I'm paying the bills on it, everybody has a role to play. And so finding people who are really good at what they do and specifically putting them in those roles has been for me, one of the most, 
I guess, successful elements of, of finding good people. I think early on, I was just, I, I was hiring Swiss army knives and, you know, I was literally right. calling them. I'm looking for a Swiss army knife. And, and what happens with that? Well, that's really good at first. You, you find somebody who comes into your company and they're able to handle some of the, the, the bookkeeping. They're able to handle some of the equipment recharging. They're able to handle some of the culling and the editing and you put over the place own the business, right? So they're not as fully vested in that business as you are. They're here to do a specific function. And when you throw them all over the place, you're watering down their value. And so what I realized very quickly in that process is as I was hiring people is that find people for a specific function, let them grow into that. And once they've grown into that, if they want to expand into something else, promote them into a different capacity, but allow people to stay in their lanes. And it's no different than me as a business owner, right? I'm really good at a few things. I'm really good at taking photographs. I'm really good at business development and running a business. I'm really good at connecting with people and doing all of that stuff. But I suck at accounting. I suck at data analysis. Well, I don't suck. I'm actually good at it, but I don't like it. I don't like doing the very specific stuff. And so what I found is that if I could find people that were really good at certain elements that I don't really want to function on, function with, I'm better equipped to handle the things that I'm really good at and let people stay in their lanes and do the stuff that they're good at. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So and I think how we got it. No, that's perfect. I love what you said about talking about when you spread people thin, you're watering down their value because that speaks directly into the dollars coming into your business. If people are spread thin, then the clients that are coming in aren't getting as great of an experience as they possibly could because you've literally watered down the value of your team. Like I'd never heard it said like that before. That's so cool. Well, let me, a perfect example. Thank you. And a perfect example. So I hired, I hired a woman many years ago and she was supposed to be my administrative assistant and she was going to handle inbound calls, but she was so good at what she did for handling inbound calls that I decided to give her some other tasks as well. And what I noticed very quickly early on in the process is that the position that she was hired to do was being put on the back burner and clients weren't getting responded to as quickly. They weren't being dealt with when there was customer service issues or they had questions. And I was getting phone calls from people saying, hey, I left a message for such and such, but I haven't heard back from her. Like, I'm like, what's going on here? And I started seeing a trend developing and it, it, it dawned on me that she couldn't do that because A, I wasn't paying her enough money. B, she only had a certain amount of hours that she wanted to work for the company. And C, how could she make phone calls back when I had her running around picking up errands and doing other things and all different aspects of the company? I was like, I'm watering down her value. I need to put her back into the space that she really wanted to work in the first place, which was managing clients, calls, customer service, that sort of stuff, and get her out of the uh, all of the other like trench work that she doesn't want to be doing. Yeah, so. that's so good. I think it's it speaks to your ability as a leader too, to see, okay, we tried this, this, that this didn't work. Let's try something else. Like let's get it back to the original and, and make sure that things, you know, the train gets back on its track. I think that's amazing. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's how you should be running your business in general, right? So you've been doing this for three years. You didn't always start out doing what you're doing today, right? It was an iterative process. Hopefully you learned some lessons along the way in those three years and you're, you've been fine tuning your workflow and your processes, right? So I think a lot of people get into trouble as business owners early on, especially people in the artistic fields. They think that they, they're going to start a business. And what happens is they end up working for their business instead of managing their business, right? That's not an original thought. Like that's business leaders across the globe will kind of echo that sentiment. But what I found early on is that I was doing so many things. I was actually working for my business, not running my business. And, and I wasn't staying in the lane of what I was really good at. And the point you just made, which is brilliant, and you should really, really kind of dive into that a little bit deeper, is that people forget that this is an iterative evolutionary process. How I did business five years ago is not even close to how I do business today. And if, if I get stuck in the shackles of running my business because I had a couple of really good years five years ago and I stay in that space and don't evolve, I'm going to be out of business very, very quickly. Absolutely. I think we see it all the time with businesses, not evolving to current standards or current society. I mean, look at, you know, I, I don't like to touch on hot topics, so I won't, we won't get into specifics, but I mean, in the photography industry, there were a couple of big name companies that 
they're not going to have clients by the end of this year because of how they've handled certain issues this year. You have to evolve. You have to pivot. You have to understand like your community, your audience needs this. And how are you going to speak to that or serve them that way so that your business still exists at the end of the year? Yeah, absolutely. It's a brilliant point. And, and I'll go ahead and say it because you didn't. I know many people just like you and not just photographers, but people who just, and, and that's generally the problem, if I may, sorry, shut me up if you want, but that's generally the problem with what's going on right now across the globe is that people are really fearful, are very afraid to adapt. And even though you may see the villainous acts that are going on right now, you may see what's happening and that your business is dwindling, you're stuck in the routine and the habits that you've been doing. And you're afraid to step outside and change that for fear of failure, for fear of standing alone, for fear of being the one voice that says it. And companies are dropping by the wayside. And some of this, they can't, you know, there are certain businesses and, and, and entrepreneurs who literally are not going to survive. And that's just the nature of the beast. And I'm, right. hopefully I'm not one of them. I could be, but hopefully I'm not. But what we did early on, and this was back in 2018, and this was pre-corona, is we realized that the shape of photography and video and the client's needs were evolving very rapidly because of social media, because of cell phones, et cetera. And so we very quickly started making modifications to our business model to include a different line of business, to offer a different level of service that would separate us from Tom, Jane, and Harry that were doing the exact same thing that we were doing. And so- right. If you don't have your finger on the pulse of your business and what your clients really need, and you're not monitoring it from a business bird's eye perspective, you can't do that, which is going back to the point of stay in your lane. If you can afford it, find some people to do the minutia so that you can really focus on your business's real core values. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. And I'm such an advocate. I've said it. If I've said it once on this podcast, I've said it at least a hundred times for outsourcing the things that you you can. And and I talked about it with Lisa in our interview earlier this morning. Outsource whatever. If it's house cleaning, that's the first thing I outsource. Like that took such a weight off of me. <laughs> and it does every week. It allows me the space to come home. Perfect example. Last night needed to work late. I tried not to, but I did. And our house was clean because our cleaning team had come. I didn't need to do the dishes. I didn't need to sweep the floors. Like my husband took care of our son. I was able to sit down and work in my made bed and get things done without, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, I need to make the bed or I need to switch the laundry or whatever the case was. And um, it, whatever that is for your business, whether it's accounting, another thing I, I just recently outsourced like three weeks ago, you know, finding those spaces where it's not just going to create a physical space that it's taking up you're going to find that it's also taking up like this mental and emotional space because you're putting it off or it bothers you. You hate doing it and you outsource it. You're like, dang, that feels like 15 pounds lighter. You can really focus on your lane. Absolutely. It's a brilliant point. I, I, I kind of touched on it earlier. I always tell my clients that you need to consider yourself and what you do as a resource bank. It's no different than a bank account, right? You have a finite amount of money in your bank account, correct? And if you overspend that allocation, that bank account goes dry relatively quickly, correct? Well, your, your energy, your intellectual property, your assets, whatever it is that makes you who you are, Jen, right? That's a, that's a finite resource. And if you're overusing that finite resource by doing all these different things all over the place and marketing to everybody and working with everybody and running around like a chicken with your head cut off, that resource is very quickly like your bank account going to dwindle down and you're just going to be burned out. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. And I think it, it's going to dwindle down exponentially if you're constantly forcing yourself to do things outside of your lane or outside of your wheelhouse. I know for me personally, I learned very quickly that there were certain types of clients I could not work with because I would dread it so much. And then the work wasn't as great as I wanted it to be because I didn't like what I was doing. So I had to, you know, you have to, like you said, shift and pivot, and not do those things. Yeah, it was a brave new world for me a few years back when I had I finally mustered the courage to fire a client. And and it was really basically she was a pain to work with and our personalities just did not mesh. And I think a lot of people, especially as entrepreneurs and small business owners, 
we're really afraid to get to that point where we just admit that you know, we can't work with this person, you know, you know, that's a resource, that's money, I need that, blah, blah, blah. But what they don't realize is what you just said, the amount of time and energy and exasperation and resources that you're spending on this client that just drains you is eventually going to be your demise. And so I got to the point where, you know, I had a relatively decent revenue coming in, I, I started to really figure out who I really liked working with. And it's funny because early in the process, during the consultation, I was like, oh my God, I probably should not work with this girl. She's She sounds like she's going to be a bear, but it was a really big price tag. So I'm just going to go ahead and take it. And then it wasn't like a week or two into the process when I was kicking myself in the head saying, dude, your voice told you don't work with her. Don't work with her. Don't work with her. <laughs> but price tag and money was like, it's like those two little angels on each shoulder. No, no, you could do it. You could do it. Don't go run as fast as you can. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> And I didn't listen to that angel and, and it got me into a whirlwind of trouble. And I just encourage people that, first of all, exhaust your ability to work with somebody and find the ways, like maybe it's your own personality just getting in the way. But if you truly know that, Jen, you and I are just going to butt heads on absolutely everything, you just need to agree to disagree and say, hey, Jen, it's been a pleasure working with you. I'm sorry, but I just don't think that this is a relationship that we can continue. It's just, it's just going to end a disaster for both of us. So I'm right. going to hand you off to somebody else and see if they can work with you. Yeah. And I think it brings us back to one of the points you already made when you're doing that, when you're forcing yourself into, you know, a round hole, square peg situation, you're watering down your own value because you're trying to, to just make yourself fit. It doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're end up babysitting, not only yourself, but the client. And then it just ends up into a disaster for everyone. It's a lose, lose situation. Look, you know, in the end, in the end, really, and this is a, this might sound relatively cliche, but in the end, this is the one life you have to live, right? Yeah. So you hear about this all day long on the memes on Instagram and Facebook and all this stuff, but I really would like to hammer this point home. If you are a miserable bandicoot every single day and you hate what you do and the people that you work with, you always have a choice. And, and to say that you're just a one-dimensional person and it can only do one thing because that's all you've ever done, you haven't taken the time to introspectively look at who you are and what value you offer to the world. Because if you are as miserable as you are and your health is in decline, your family's in decline, there's got to be something else that will make you happy. Find what those things are and somehow figure out a way to do that for a revenue-based income. And there's always an opportunity. And when people tell me that there's, I can't do this or I can't do that, or I've been working here for, for 50 years, I'm just waiting for my pension. Like, if that works for you, then so be it. But for me, like it's just, that's never going to fly with me. So anyway. Yeah. There's a moment, I think, in everyone's life at some point where you're like, okay, I can jump and build or I can stay here and, you know, be content with what I have. And if that's where you're at, then that's fine. But if you are wanting to take the jump, then freaking do it already and figure it out on the way down. I mean. I, and, actually, it's not, and it's not going to be easy, right? It's never no. going to be. People always think like we live in this instant gratification nation where everything is at our fingertips 24 seven, right? I can turn on my fire stick and get whatever movie I want to watch. I can go to my phone and find whatever content I want to read. I can literally have within 24 hours, actually same day delivery. Now I can have something delivered on my doorstep. And so people think, wow, I've been, I've, I've been programmed to receive instant gratification on all these different resources across the globe, right? And we've never in the history of humanity that we have, recorded history that is, been as wealthy as we are or as like comfortable as we are. And so we've grown lazy. We've, we've grown habitual and lazy. And so we think that if we want to start this business opportunity and the first time it gets a little bit itchy or a little bit scratchy or a little bit tough, we're like, it's not supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be easy. And we're like, no, it's not supposed to be easy, man. Like you literally have to blood, sweat, and tears yeah. if you want to make this work. Like there's, you are 100% responsible if you go into this world. I talked to some photographers and they're like, you know, I'm not getting any bookings and I'm not getting any of this and I'm not doing this and my social media sucks. And I'm just like, what are you doing right now about that? Well, you know, I tried this. I tried. You're not doing jack. Like if you want to grow a business, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to do anything, it's a process. You have to get in the trenches and work it and work it and adapt and work it and adapt and work it and be consistent about it. You got to put in the blood, the sweat and the tears, and eventually you'll find some success. But very rarely are you going to see somebody who just does it overnight, right? 
took you Absolutely. three years. It's taken you three years to get where you are. And I'm pretty sure you're not happy with that, right? You want to continue. I've been in this business since 2000, full time since 2013. I'm not even close to where I want to be. Not even close. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely. And I mean, it's funny that you said that because I am so grateful for how this year has played out, even with like, I had some of my worst months in business this year, but we're coming out on the other side of now we've had the exact opposite. We've had the best months in business, but I'm literally I'm not, this isn't figurative. I am literally going to therapy. I just started back two weeks ago to work through mindset blocks on things like I know I'm dealing with internally in order for the business to continue to grow. Cause I can't grow the business in the direction that I want it to grow. If I don't take care of some mental crap <laughs> and it's, and it's exactly what you said. You have to figure out what are the issues, the complications, the obstacles, the blocks, whatever you need to do, you have to work through them. You have to decide to do it and go after those goals in order to grow your business or in order to, you know, leave whatever job is making you miserable and do something that you actually love. I love that about you. That's brilliant. And I think that the fact that you are transparent and own that is brilliant because I think a lot of people have the stigma associated with going to a therapist that you're demented and you're weird and you got some mental problems and you belong in a hospital. You know what, man? 99% of the human population has some reason or another that we should probably all go see a therapist. I know that I'm one of them and have spoken to many therapists. So that's brilliant that you're doing that. If there's a problem, find a way to fix it get on with your life. Don't use it as a crutch. But if yeah. you're having some issues that you need help with, there's nothing wrong with saying, I, I think people are so scared of pain and burden. They're like, you know, I, you know, I'm just pain. I just got, I got to drug myself and get really drunk. So I don't have to deal with that. Like there's nothing wrong with dealing with pain. Like that's part of the building process of becoming who you are. Right. So brilliant that you're doing that. I just actually working with a client right now, I feel like I'm talking a million miles a second, but I just speaking with a client who's doing um, NLP. You're, are you familiar with NLP? No. Um, I don't even know what it's, I'm going to butcher this, but neuro, <laughs> neuro linguistic protocol, I believe is what okay. it's called. Look, look into this. You might find it interesting and I can put you in touch with her, but she does NLP treatments, which basically takes, it takes a look at the structure of your subjective principles of things that you're struggling with your modalities, your inner psychology around failure or transparency or your inability to see your own personal power, right? And it takes those and addresses them head on through a series of like soft hypnosis, so to speak, right. to help you really come to terms with the things you're struggling with. And it's brilliant work and she swears by it. So anyway, I digress, but if you're interested, <laughs> I can put you in touch. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I I think it's incredible what the mind is capable of. I it is literally rewiring and reframing how how you think and how you process and you know taking the thoughts that aren't serving you and reframing them in a way that you know we can we can change change how we actually actually feel yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. I think a lot of people forget what the mind is. It's just basically a fantastic recording device, correct? So right. for how, how old are you? What are you? 30s? 30. Okay. So um, for 30 years, you've been programmed. Across the, across the 30 years, you've been programmed from your education to from your parents, from your colleagues, from your, your interactions, from your experiences. Everything you have done from the day you were born has been recorded on this. Remember when we used to have uh, CD-ROMs? And, right. You know, the, yeah. Like, I don't even know how long CD-ROM. I just showed you how old I was. But, you know, back in the day where you could burn CD-ROMs and I had- Oh, I burned CDs. <laughs> Okay, boom, so do I. So I had this girlfriend and I always thought I was cool because I'd burn these mixes. And mixes? I'd like, yeah, and I'd put these really like romantic labels on the front, like, hey, baby, you know, like that sort of stuff. But it, your brain is the exact same way. Like we're just constantly yeah. making mixes every single day. And some of those mixes and are going to lead you down rabbit holes of despair and misery. And if you don't address them properly, right, therapy, yeah. they're going to end up come back and haunt you. And I think people... I think people sometimes forget that, you know, misery isn't accidental. It's learned. And there's a way to unlearn that as well. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. We've dived into like so much. Is dived a word? We dove into so much? I don't know. Anyway. We'll go with dive. I, like dove. 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 I don't know. It's a good question. Dove. <laughs> Are you going to start cooing? 
we've, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are we, what were we supposed to be talking about? Photography? I think we were talking about photography at some point. This is the rabbit hole, Jen, the rabbit hole. I love rabbit hole episodes, though, because I think there's there's so many good nuggets, whether you're a photographer or a business owner, a virtual assistant, like there's so many things you can pull away from it. And um, so, I mean, kind of guilty pleasure is our rabbit hole episodes. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. Awesome. Well, I want to bring us back to the original topic real quick. And if you can give a person a tip, if they're wanting to ensure that they are creating an experience for their client, what is one tip that you can give them to begin that journey? Drop your ego at the door. Drop your ego. Your ego is literally the root of all evil. I'm not going to quote Bible scripture because, you know, Bible scripture was just handed down 25 times from 2,500 people that came before it. But honestly, truthfully speaking, drop your ego. You're here to connect with people. You're here to connect with people and build a relationship with somebody. And the only way, especially if you're a photographer, that you can connect with somebody and take real photographs. And I'm not talking about point and click, put it on auto button, hold down the shutter button and shoot and spray. I'm talking about if you want your client to show you who they are and when they see their photos, they drop, stop and roll with tears. If you want to create an experience for somebody who is a raving fan, who will follow you to the ends of the earth to call you their family photographer for years and years and years and let them pull back their covers for you. You need to drop your ego at the door and you need to connect with people on a human level and you need to show up and let them see who you are. Just like you would a friendship, just like you would you're dating, you met your husband, you didn't be like, oh, hey, I met you tomorrow, let's get married, right? You spent time cultivating that relationship. You dated, you texted, you sexted, you, you did all the things that you did to connect with each other and you found like a common element, a common thread that's just like, I could spend some time with this dude and make babies and spend a life with him. Like you didn't just do it overnight, right? Well, right. I'm not saying you didn't make babies with your clients, but you need to treat every situation with every person that you engage with as, as an opportunity to connect with someone on a different level that you could otherwise, especially now that we're all muzzled up. Like you have an opportunity to connect with people and you can use your lens and you can use your power to do that by just being authentic with them and being genuine with them and dropping your ego at the door. Listen, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen to what people say. You'll pick up on things very, very quickly. Read the room, read the room. Understand that no two clients are the same way. Everybody offers something different. Find what really works for that particular client and adapt your approach to work with that. Don't think that two people or three people, because you had success with one client doing one thing, it's going to translate into the next one. Every single human you interact with has a different value proposition. Find out what their value proposition is and work with that. That wasn't one thing. Sorry, I just dropped a whole bunch. Mic drop. <laughs> it was a bunch, but I loved it anyway. Awesome. All right. So I always like to wrap up with the same three questions in every episode. So the first is, what is your favorite business tool? Oh, man. The phone. I can run yeah. my business from anywhere on the planet with this. My phone. Truthfully, my phone. I got a bunch of different software that we use. So everything has a very pointed purpose, kind of like staying in your lane. But my phone, like if I didn't have my phone, I'd be, I'd, I'd be like basically back on a wagon with horse and buggy. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with horses and buggies. I've got a, I've got a couple horses, no buggies though. Yeah, I like horses too, but not to run my business. No, not to run the business. All right. So then my right. next, I am a quote fanatic. I love quotes. So what is your favorite quote? Hmm, man, I have so many. I think my my latest one, I actually write on my arm every day a word or a quote of things that I really want to focus on. I think the one I'm working with right now is live with Erete. And it's a stoic philosophy from originally Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius. I don't know if you're familiar with those terms, but they're Roman, ancient Roman mm -hmm. emperor was Marcus Aurelius was a Marcus Aurelius was arguably one of the best Roman emperors of his time. He was he was a Stoic philosopher, which is where Stoicism comes from. Stoic doesn't mean you're boring and 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 concrete. It just means that you you apply a you apply a methodology of and philosophy to your life where you're not going to allow other people's reactions and anger and everything to affect who you are, and you're going to live your life with purpose based upon what you want out of life. That's what Stoicism is. A lot of people don't understand that, but my quote for that would be to live with Arete, 
And arete is that everything you do, do it to the fullest extent and joy possible as if it's the last time you'll ever do it. And that's what arete is. So live with arete. Uh, I think that's my favorite answer so far. If my other guests have listened to this. I love you guys. That was good. Well, it's, it's interesting. If you, forgive me. Um, I digress again. Sorry, I'm a rabbit. I should be called rabbit hole. So I, I didn't understand this principle many years ago. I really didn't. And I, I always blamed other people. I got divorced um, six years ago and I blamed my ex-wife for the divorce. And I blamed this for that. And I blamed this for that. And I, I, I had to sell a business 10 years ago and because my partner did this. And it was just like, I was always blaming people. And I, I didn't really realize that for every person you're blaming, it's there's it's a two-sided coin. Like you always right. have a role in everything you do, right? Yeah. I was just as responsible for my divorce as my wife was at the time. I was just as responsible for my first business failing because you know I, I didn't put in the, the necessary ingredients that needed to make it work, blah, 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 right? And it wasn't until I really started understanding that everything you do, you are personally responsible for. And you have a you have a a, a moral obligation to live with Erete in everything you do, because it might be the last time you ever have the chance to do it. And so if you don't prepare for that and you're not personally responsible for that, you'll probably find that most of your life, you're just going to end up blaming someone else for your failures or for the lack that it didn't work out, blah, blah, instead of just living with Erete and realizing like, this is my choice. I'm choosing to do it. And I'm choosing to do it with 100% no hesitation, dive into it, come hell or high water and have fun with it. And that's kind of what the philosophy is all about. I love that. And I love what you said about, um, I'm going to mess it up, but this, what is it? Stoicism? Stoicism. Stoic. Stoicism. Because Stoic. I've, I've always thought it's the same thing. Like I always picture like a gargoyle, like mad and staying in one place, you know? But I think I am very affected by how people perceive me another reason why I'm going to therapy. And I think taking on that, that stoicism where it's like, okay, you can perceive me however you want, but I'm really, you know, I'm going to stand in this and this value and my power. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. Right. It, the, the principles of stoicism, and I'm just going to read the nine real quickly, just so you kind of get a sense for it. The value of stoicism, the only thing that is truly good is an excellent mental state identified with virtue and reason and personal responsibility. This is the only thing that can guarantee our happiness. External things such as money, success, fame, and the like can never bring us happiness. It's a never-ending perpetual will seeking them out. So you get where I'm going with this. Like Stoicism is all about personal responsibility and realizing that everything you do, you always have a choice. You have a choice in how to respond. You have a choice in how to proceed forward. You have a choice in how you respond to people's response to your response. You always have a choice, right? And if you spend your time on the perpetual rabbit wheel of always trying to worry about what other people are thinking, or maybe this won't work out or over analytical, you're going to spend most of your life on that ever perpetual rabbit wheel. So stoicism is all about recognizing the value, understanding how it can work for you. You have a choice not to approach it. You have a choice to approach it. And then when you do approach it, like this is it, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do this with all my energy and all my creativity and all anything I can possibly muster. And let's just see where the chips may fall. And it's, it's not about standing still and virtuous. It's about it. Well, it is about being virtuous. It's like virtuous is one of the key elements of stoicism, virtuous kindness and personal responsibility are three of like the main elements of it. It's brilliant. You should look it up. You might really like it. I think I would. I feel like I just went to school. I feel like I'm like in a therapy session. Like this is so good. It's speaking to so many of the pain points I'm experiencing in my life right now. And I think it's, it's incredible that it's brought been like this possible solutions been brought to me this way. It's amazing. I will send you a couple of really good books via email that um, I highly recommend on it. A lot of it is, is um, very similar to Buddhism. Also, there's a lot of Buddhism crossover, uh, although it came at a different time and space. I won't go into a history lesson, but Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, the people who really invented Stoicism actually spent a lot of time in the Asian communities and kind of learning that culture. And then they brought that back to their principles and philosophies and introduced it to the, I guess, the Western world, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Okay. Last question. And then I will let you go. If you and I were to grab a drink, where would we go and what would we have in Charlotte, North Carolina? Location wise, I'd probably go to 
um, Lincoln's Haberdashery. It's a really cool spot um, in the in the heart of Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a kind of all-in-one sit-down haberdashery, old school, where you can get coffee and beer and wine and food, and they have their own in-house restaurant and stuff. Uh, we probably drink coffee. I'm a, I'm a big coffee connoisseur, and, and they have some of the best coffee in Charlotte. Awesome. So we sit and have a cup of coffee. I just drink it black. I don't put a lot of frou-frou in my drink. Again, I'm very, I'm a very simple person. I just like the core. Give me the coffee and the black. You know what? For me, coffee is just part of that, but it's coffee and conversation. That's actually something I do here mm. in Charlotte. I have what's called coffee and conversation. And I reach out through LinkedIn um, every week. Well, it's not so weekly now because of Corona, but we reach out and I uh, invite someone for a coffee and, and conversation. And we just meet up at a local place and we just sit for an hour and then go about our merry way. So I highly encourage that for absolutely networking. That's super smart. Awesome. So thank you. Go ahead. Oh, you said that's all you got. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been an incredible episode. I can't wait for for everyone to hear it. If they would like to follow you, where can we find you? Probably the best way to do is Instagram. I'm a huge Instagram nerd and on Instagram, I'm fusion photog F U S I O N. And then photog short for photography please follow me. I'll follow you back. And you know what? If you want to learn some really cool stoicism, I do a lot of, I use my personal Instagram as a platform for inspiration. And I post a lot of stuff around stoicism on there as well. So maybe you might get some morsels here and there. Yes, absolutely. I will definitely be doing that. Uh, Thank you so much again. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for the opportunity again. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Success Beyond the Lens podcast. If you love what you heard today, could you do me a favor? Could you grab a screenshot of the episode and then send it over to your Instagram stories and tag me at Success Beyond the Lens podcast. I love hearing from our audience to see what you guys are loving. And if you really love me, if you could go over to iTunes and subscribe and leave us a review, I would appreciate it so much. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week.